You're listening to the Transform Your Nutrition Podcast with your hosts, Rebecca Heald and Jeff Ash. Our purpose is to help individuals and families transform their relationships with food and develop healthy bodies, minds, and attitudes, all without restriction, guilt, or shame. And we're live. Here we are again, another Friday lunchtime here, but early morning over there in Texas. Yes, Jeff? Yes, so far all I've had is a protein shake and, oh, and some Coke Zero. I'm so. very lucky that I have been out for breakfast. <laughs> and I'm out for dinner again tonight. I'm, I'm oh, out. wow, nice. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> yeah, it is Friday. Yep. Yeah, yep, it's Friday. <laughs> yeah, pizza Friday. Um, going to the same place, actually. Um, bit obviously well off topic not off topic but um there's a really great pizza place that's opened in Lincoln did I mention this last week um I don't know if I did mention but there were some guys that started doing um takeaways in lockdown and Mm -hmm. he started they started from their house I remember they not and they had a baby in between I remember the first time I went and got a a takeaway pizza from their house then they moved into (laughs) to doing takeaway and delivery in um, in a pub in, uh, in in the center, and now they've just opened a restaurant, um, which oh, cool. we went to last week, and it was amazing, really funky, um, really nice cocktails, amazing pizzas, and so I went with just Luca last week to celebrate the house and everything. Yes, and then um, today we decided we're going to go back with Leo and hopefully be celebrating Luca becoming prime minister. Oh yeah. <laughs> But either way, I've just learned that Luca got 100% in his spelling test. That's a celebration. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. So, yeah, anybody cool. who's watching who is local to Lincoln at all, go and try out Do Loco. It's a restaurant that's open just next to the castle in Uphill Lincoln. And it, it, I really can't recommend it enough. And honestly, I am fussy. My kids are fussy about pizza too, you know, Italian family. Um, in fact, I never used to eat pizza in the UK. Um, and it's I never ever would dream of even getting a pizza takeaway. But I'm a convert. I'm converted now. <laughs> that's cool. That's a yeah. That says a lot about the pizza. I've seen the pictures of them that you post, and they look so good. I mean, they just, are. I mean, it's not I'm, Pizza Hut or Domino's. It, no, it it's is not. like a. It is a proper pizza. <laughs> it is a proper pizza, and I remember when. Yeah, I've always been spoiled with pizza because obviously you know, back and forth to Italy um, all my life. And then my grandma, actually, I mean, her homemade pizzas were amazing. And um, she was going to open a restaurant. She was actually going to open a pizza restaurant locally. My granddad wouldn't let her, you know. (laughs) And, uh, um, yeah, so, um, yes. But now, finally, somewhere local that does amazing pizza. Because, as you know, my boys love pizza. But, again, you know, Luca makes it himself, doesn't he? So, anyway, I really have digressed there. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about food, it's so important. And um, But this morning, I went for breakfast. And instead of having, normally when I go out for breakfast, because I tend to um, have oats and stuff at home for breakfast. And normally when I go out for breakfast, I always opt for eggs. Or But this morning, I really had a craving. (laughs) Was it a craving? (laughs) I don't know. I just fancied something sweet. Now, yeah. And I think that really... Um, you know, it kind of glides us nicely into the topic that we are going to be covering today. So today we are going to be talking about hopefully, um, you know, delivering a little bit of a mini training. I'm trying to make these more practical um, as we move forward on 
Overcoming cravings. So you can stop feeling addicted to food because I get this a lot. And I know you do as well, Jeff, that people just feel that they can't manage their cravings. In fact, I think this did come out of um, a comment that somebody had made in the last in the last live, actually, about how they, you know, they feel that they can't have any control over food or they feel right. addicted to food. And mm-hmm. we have spoken about this before on our podcast. I know, Jeff, but I thought it'd be really, really great to talk about this today live. And hopefully anybody who is watching, if you are watching right now, please say hi. Let us know that you are watching. And please do comment throughout. Even if, you know, you haven't got a question, just share your experience with us. Let us know if you're finding what we're talking about useful. Because we're going to delve into today talking about what cravings are. We're also going to talk about why they may happen. And also I'm going to, and well, both of us, sorry, Jeff and I are both going to help you to identify some strategies to overcome these feelings. And as always, we'll be sharing our experience, personal experiences and experiences that we have had with clients. I mean, I'm really proud. Hi, Mark. Thank you for joining us. I'm really, really proud that um, I've been this morning. Sorry, I don't know what that noise was. There was a big noise in the background. I don't know if you heard that. (laughs) Um, I, I, um, this morning, I've been with a client just this morning, actually. And, um, well, you know, we've just come to the end of her program and talking about, oh, hi, David. Yes. Um, talking about cravings, pizza for breakfast. I'll talk about that in a second, actually. Um, but yeah, just to kind of give you a little bit of maybe, um, reassurance in what we're talking about. Just this morning, I was talking to a client. She's just finished working with me. Been working with her for quite a time, but she just said that you know her her cravings, her her binging episodes, her feelings of addiction to food have completely subsided. Um, and I get I had another client who I have shared. She's she's done some amazing videos for me, some testimonial videos. Me when she came to me, Laura, she felt that she was addicted to food, and she's realised that that was not the case, and she you know she's completely overcome this now because of the strategies that I'm going to, some of the strategies that I'm going to talk to you about today, or Jeff and I, I keep saying I, that we are going to talk about with you today. Um, and I think, obviously, a great place to ta- start would just to be to give it some context. I do just want to talk, though, David, about this pizza for breakfast. We actually had pizza for breakfast last week. When I went to Do Loco last Friday, um, I mean, I couldn't finish what what we had. Me and Luca and I um, saying we couldn't finish our pizzas. So, of course, they boxed them up to take so that we could take them away. And me and Luca had pizza for breakfast last Saturday. (laughs) Wasn't craving it, but it was there. And um, (laughs) But that says a lot as well about the pizzas in that, you know, the next day we didn't feel, you know, I I was full. I remember being, you know, really nicely kind of full um on the Friday evening but the next day I wasn't sluggish I didn't feel you know over like like you can sometimes when you have those overly processed pizzas Mm -hmm. you know so um yeah it was uh, nice to enjoy it the next day anyway so let's get on with talking about the topic that we are supposed to be talking about today and so Jeff um shall we start by talking about what what are cravings um yeah I mean it's really it's it's that kind of intense desire or drive to eat a certain food or maybe a certain um, flavor profile, that kind of thing. Sometimes you're craving something sweet. Sometimes you're craving a specific uh, sweet too. So you could just be in general saying, oh, I just want something sweet to eat. Uh, or you could say, oh, I w- I'm really craving that specific carrot cake or that particular candy bar or 
this particular ice cream or something like that. And so that's yeah. that's really the probably the easiest way to sum it up. And you may have more to add to that. No, well, I think, you know, I, I, oh, sometimes all I would say is that I think sometimes it can be that, yeah, that intense desire. And I think the the thing is, is that sometimes it can feel really uncontrollable, can't it? Yeah. And I think that's what defines, you know, just fancying something and, and craving something. And I think when it comes to a craving, it's almost like people feel like they can't satisfy their hunger. They're not going to feel satisfied until they get that particular food. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and it can also kind of consume your thoughts and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But the thing is, is that they are really common, aren't they? Yeah, oh yeah, and, yeah, definitely. You know, I think, was it something like, um, I shared some statistics, where like more than 90% of us do experience cravings, cravings for food. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I know, you know, whenever clients come to me, you know, cravings, giving into cravings is always something that they, that, that, that they want to work on. Um, but yeah. why do we have them? Okay, so we've talked about what, what a craving is. Why is it that we do have them? Well, I mean, there's there's uh, different reasons for it. And often that's what we try and dig down and unpack with clients is trying to figure out where the cravings are coming from. Because sometimes it's just the normal desire for a particular food. Because craving is not a bad thing. And I think it gets a bad rap. Sometimes in the diet diet world and in the fitness world, and when we're talking about nutrition, people think of cravings as a negative, and it really is just part of the biological drive that our bodies have to seek out food and to seek out certain kinds of food. And so we we often have cravings for the food that we need to be eating. Sometimes you crave something salty. Uh, you may have noticed that, and you you realize, oh yeah, well I was out working in the yard all day and I was sweating a lot. And when you start to look back, you think, well, yeah, that my body is actually driving me to get some more salt. Um, you know, there's some other theories out there for like with protein intake, that if you're not getting enough protein, your body is driving you to get uh, more protein. And so it continues to increase your appetite. And so, you know, it, I, I guess my main point in that is that cravings are, is it's a normal thing and it shouldn't be viewed as a negative. No. No, yeah. I think it's when there is that kind of that, yeah, the, the, I think, and we'll go into it. We'll go into talking about when it can be, be an issue, I think. Because like I said, I was, this morning, I was craving something sweet, probably mm -hmm. hormonal, you know. That's something us women have to deal with. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's fine, you know, because often cravings can occur because of, you know, because of hormones. Yeah, um, exactly. David, actually, um, yeah, I do want to kind of just touch on what you've, David has just asked, how do cravings, compare with over hungry well yeah. the thing is is I mean I, I'm I, you know when you're over hungry what tends to happen then is that your biological hunger is kicking in and that's making you I mean I was talking to a client yesterday and she was talking about how on last week she had not eaten all day and then she, it came to dinner time and they were having fish and chips and she said, I literally just, you know, halfway through it, I realized I hadn't even noticed what I was eating. I just dug in. I mean, she she paid for it afterwards because she, you know, she she was overly full. She was bloated. She felt like that for a couple of days afterwards. And she was saying, you know, in hindsight, I really should have slowed down a little bit. And I said, look, I said, you've gone all day without eating. You had no chance of slowing down. Your biology, your body at that point was thinking you were starving it. So your biological hunger had kicked in and it didn't matter what it was. It just wanted calories. So that is the difference, I think, between a craving. A craving tends to just be this 
desire to want a certain, like you said, a, a certain taste profile, um, Jeff, or, you know, you, you just want something to satisfy. I mean, and sometimes craving is not just because of, like you said, um, you know, something is, like you said about the, the salt is, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you, you, you needed salt to replace those electrolytes, etc. But actually it could be um, to do with memory. It could be to do with mm-hmm. experience, etc. Yeah. It could be in a certain situation that could lead you to crave a certain food because it reminds you of something. It's a bit of nostalgia. Whereas yeah. overhungry is like this biological need for calories. So yeah. they are quite different. Would you agree with that, Jeff? Yeah, and um, I think often being over hungry drives the cravings. So when we have, you know, people, I, I find that when when I have clients who are struggling with with cravings, craving food, maybe craving amounts of a particular food, that they that they know that when they eat that amount, they either don't feel good or, in general, it's just really more than they probably need to be eating of that. So you know, if you're craving McDonald's every day, you know, I'm not saying that's necessarily good or bad, but that can become a problem over time if you're if you're eating that every day or every meal or if you're craving that kind of food all the time. And so um so I think that while they're completely separate, they it does tie into it. So being yeah. over hungry often fuels that. It, and yeah. being over hungry honestly and then we're probably going to be talking more about that. It often over it often fuels um, these various behaviors and, and habits that we are often trying to break yeah, uh, within yeah. our, within our life. Think, yeah. 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 And I think what you've kind of, and what we've probably both, um, demonstrated there as well is that it's so multifaceted. It's so mm-hmm. complex, Yeah, you know, um, as nutrition always is, it's never just a simple black or white and this is how it should be. And that, you know, it's, and I think this is where a lot of, you know, the the information out there, a lot of diet gurus out there, they will, you know, they'll talk about it in very black and white terms. And that's when you should always be be wary because, you know, whilst we can talk about what the science tells us, whilst we can talk about experience, it fundamentally comes down to the person. It comes down to the individual. And, right. um, you know, cr- food cravings, like I've touched on there, it can be down to hormones. It can be down to an imbalance. It could be down to just satisfying an emotional need yeah. it could be a need to calm stress it could be a need to reduce anxiety or like like we've already said it could be linked to that letting ourselves go too hungry so and we will talk about that um and uh, that's okay too that, that yeah. it that you use it for those cases which yes. is another thing as long as it's not the the only thing you use to to deal with those if it's one of of many kind of healthy and I put that in quotes healthy ways of of managing stress and dealing with emotions and it's you know and it's part of that then then that's okay it's when it when it becomes the primary coping mechanism that it that it really becomes an issue yeah and this is where we kind of then uh kind of moving over into kind of emotional eating mm-hmm. and kind of um and you know and kind of yeah, exactly that. It's and and this is the thing. This is the other thing, and I think this is an important point to make about when you said it about cravings and about emotional eating. You know, again, things like cravings, emotional eating, food addiction—they've all been given, they've all been demonized, they've all been given this kind of label. This, you know, and again, that's where it's dangerous. You know, again, nothing should ever be. Yeah, emotional eating can be a problem. It can also not be a problem. Yeah, yeah. cravings can be a problem. It can also not be a problem. Okay, so it's about it's all about context, isn't it? It's all about context and it's all about digging deep and asking those questions 
Um, and yeah, definitely. It's funny, it's funny actually, I was thinking about this. Um, I was thinking about Leo, my, my youngest Leo. It's, well, both of my kids actually. It's, it's why mummy, why mummy? Why, why, is, why do we do this mummy? Why do we do that mummy? And it's, you know, and kids are always that inquisitive, aren't they? But my kids are yeah. particularly, and they're not growing out of it. You know, they want to know everything. <laughs> and they want to know the ins and outs. And they, and they talk for England. And I actually talked, I thought the other day, I thought, that's why, <laughs> that's why I'm a coach. Because, you know, it's, it's just in us. It's just us. So yeah. you know, we just like to question, we like to dig deep. And that's what, you know, and, and that's what any good good nutrition um, you know, nutrition coach will provide you, that opportunity to dig deep, that space to understand and work out what's really going on for you. Um, you know, rather than just giving you a prescriptive, this is the way it should be, this is the way it shouldn't be. Anyway, yeah. we're not a little bit there. Um, so I wanted to just throw out there as well, Jeff, about this kind of, you know. Because um, not everybody does have food cravings, but the majority of us do at some mm-hmm. point in our lives. And I have to say that coming off the yo-yo restrictive diet cycle, my cravings are nowhere near like they were, and they are much. I'm much able, more able to manage them and understand why they're happening. Um, but there is some. So this leads me on to there's some kind of. Um, you know, there are people that will say that cravings are all in your head, and. There is some research. And again, I want to say that science is always evolving. We're always learning new things about nutrition. Okay, so what we know right right now or what we think we know right now or what we believe right now might, you know, there might be some research out to say something different further down the line. And I just want to point that out, that we only know what we know right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, Would you say what's your experience, Jeff, or kind of what do you know about what the research tells us about cravings all being in your head? Yeah, well, I, I mean, to to a degree, it it is. Um, it's based on certain memories that you have of eating those certain foods. I mean, you can't crave a food, for example, that you've never tasted. Um, you know, you're not going to to crave something that you're not familiar with, in to some degree. Um, I, I, there's definitely a biological component to it too, yeah. where, that's driven by hunger and uh, our desire for our body's needs for certain nutrients and that kind of thing but but i think a lot of it is is definitely in in our head um based on on uh, memories there's a whole area of research in that area on hedonics and um you know the 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 pleasure and reward that we get from eating uh, different kinds of foods and that kind of thing yeah and i think what you said there, obviously, you know, about the biological drive and stuff like that. And this is where I think, it, again, it, it's not so straightforward, is it? So to say it's all in your head, I think there is, obviously, there is some research to suggest that, you know, um, that your memory um, and the, that, the, the pleasure that you can remember from certain foods are partially to blame for certain mm-hmm. food cravings. Um, and I think those memories are really, really powerful and actually more important than the the, the reward you're getting from the food because sometimes we can have this craving and then we eat the food and it doesn't really match what we remember it to be like. So if you had right. some, a pack of cookies and you're craving cookies because you remember homemade cookies that your grandma made and that's the memory that you've got and then you have this pack of cookies and it's really, really cheap and we've talked about this before, haven't we? And you're not getting the same reward, but the right. cravings might still you know the craving might still be there it might still feel real and I think there is so so there's this thing where there is a biological drive to replace your you know to replace calories to replace things that are missing from your body if you've not had enough calories if you're hungry then you're 
you're, you know, you're basically opening yourself wide to cravings because then what will happen is there's this biological drive and then all of the memories come flooding in of happy memories of having certain foods that have kept you nice and full. So I don't, I think, I think there is, you know, there is some evidence to suggest that a lot of it is in our head. But then again, I don't think it's that simple, is it? No, that's, I always, it, it really bothers me. I guess even just the older I get to the more that these little mantras or little uh, sound bites really bother me because they lack nuance. So you say, oh, it's all in your head. And it's very easy to to say that to somebody and you're dismissing certain aspects of of how they're experiencing that that particular feeling, emotion, the craving. And so I think that it, we have to be careful to to do this either or kind of a thing. And so in in general, I think most of what we have when we talk about cravings, it, I mean it it does. It comes down to something that's going on in our brain. So it's all in your head is sort of okay, but I just thought, I don't like how it minimizes it. Just like I don't like when people say, oh, food addiction is not a thing and they just stop there. Yeah. And don't, yeah. don't unpack that a little bit. Yes. And we will go on to talk about that, but mm-hmm. definitely no. And I think that's so important, Jeff, as well, because I think you can't detach, you can't detach, you know, what's going on physically, biologically from what's going on mentally. And, you know, and again, the, the whole brain axis, all of that is some really exciting areas of research. So, yeah, like you say, I think you've always got to. And, and when we talk about food addiction as well, and I was talking to somebody about this, where I posted something yesterday, didn't I, about it? And although people will say, no, food addiction, as in, you know, it, it doesn't exist as in, you know, as in alcohol or drug addiction does exist. However, you know, it can feel very real because there is a behavioral pattern that keeps repeating and it feels very intense. So, you know, I think let's not undermine, you know, saying it's all in your head. Let's not use that as a way to undermine what a person is experiencing. Right. So if you go to a coach and a coach will just say, oh, food addiction just isn't a thing, get over it, you know, or, oh, you know, the science says that cravings are all in your head, get over it. No, you you know, there needs to be something else going. There needs to be some deeper digging, doesn't there? David yeah. said something about like comfort foods. What did you mean by that? What were we taught? Was that from before? Um, Maybe how do cravings affect moods and emotions is one question he asked. And then right after that said like comfort foods. Uh, okay. So I didn't so, see that. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think you actually kind of touched on that, that when you do have certain cravings um, and uh, how it, those could be based on certain moods that you're in, certain emotions that you're having at a given time. Yeah. And then uh, comfort foods often satisfy that that desire for that or, or why you're craving that. So it might be that that um, you're going through a difficult time in a relationship and and there's a comfort food that kind of brings you back to a, a uh, you know, happier time and, a, and a, a, a better state of mind. And so that may be why you're craving that particular food. And again, that's what, again, that's kind of where it comes down to it being sort of in your head in a sense um yeah but um but again it, it's a little bit like saying you know anyway i'm not going to go into that because i was going to talk but you know it's about this is again why you know the whole issue of like around obesity and, and, and stuff yeah. like that it's, it's not it's not just that straightforward and i think yeah and um and like you said as well before jeff it's that you know having some comfort food to make yourself feel better to perk you up is not is not an issue as in and of itself it's if like you said if it's something if it's a repeated cycle 
and it's your only way of coping and it's having an impact if it's having an impact on your health and your well-being yeah. and you are super stressed and you are constantly reaching for overly processed foods all the time then yeah that that it could be an issue but like you know I the other thing and I did just want to touch on this because I spoke about this yesterday with a client yes I did um about how again as parents we can also help to equip our children to deal better with life let's say because yeah. if we have if as a child every time something went wrong our our parents comforted us through food now I'm from an Italian family and trust me everything if anything was wrong <laughs> food daddy have some food daddy you know yeah. it's like have some pizza have some pasta daddy. you know and I and I have to I, I have to make sure that I don't do that with my kids because I don't you know if they if they I don't use it as a reward I don't use it as a comforter I don't you know um but we do have comfort food like if we're doing something and we just want to chill out and relax and we want to you know food is a is we for emotional reasons in this house we chill out my kids are, you know associate film time with having some food but it's a happy time it's a nice time yeah. it's not I feel crap and I need to deal with my really difficult emotions right now and reach for food you know yeah. um so again I think just as parents we just and, and also as well as adults let's consider our experiences and think about maybe how we can reframe them or you know move on from them as children um yeah it's sometimes it's taking I, I i think as parents it's easy for us to take the the easy way out in a situation so our child is is upset or hurt or dealing with something and our immediate response is to just say oh well why don't we go get ice cream that may be fine that may even be the right thing to do in that situation but I think it's better to maybe pause and find out, hey, do we need to have a conversation here? Do we need to unpack something that's going on? Do I need to listen better? Um, is there another way that we can better deal with this particular situation than to have uh, than to offer food to yeah. to soothe that? And I think that I, I know, you know, it's been a while since I've had young kids. I mean, I'm 50 now. My my daughters are 26 and 24. Yes. And so yes, um, just turned 50 this week. Woo I did. Yep. <laughs> and um, and since I didn't shave today, you can actually kind of see it coming through on my face. Yeah. But, you know, I remember back there's so many times that as a parent, I took the easy way out instead of really sitting down and dealing with the situation in the way that it should have been dealt with. And uh, and I think that that in in some families that the way that the easy way out is to just offer food and that can become a major, major problem. And I mean, I'll admit that, you know, even in the early days, um, you know, as, as a parent, I, I as a reward as well, it's, you know, avoid using food as a reward. I definitely would be like, you know, if you're good, you can have sweets or if you're not good, you can't have sweets. And again, that's just that is developing it that can lead to an unhealthy relationship yeah. um you know with with certain foods um so yeah so I th hopefully i think david's just said i think you're addressing it but when do cravings create behavior problems yeah i think we've we've kind of said if 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 you know you are only and this is where it comes into kind of you know the kind of emotional eating side of things as well if you're using it uh if it's just right okay no we're going to move on to this a little bit more actually we're, we're going to delve into this more about how it can create problems but one of the one of the ways it can is if you are if it's overlapping with over emotional eating and it's your only coping strategy um but we will we're going to talk a little bit more about when it can um be a problem and i just want to 
move on to as well, just because I think this is quite, it kind of links with what we're saying as well about how cravings often kick in when, um, when we are stressed or when we are anxious or when there is some difficult emotion, when we're upset, when there is some difficult emotion for us to deal with. And often people, like I say, we will reach for food rather than actually thinking, you know, actually, I need to de-stress. I need to chill out. I need to look after, you know, I need to listen to actually what my body is saying rather than going to my default, you know, behavior pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and I think the thing is, is that often as well, um, you know, those the foods that we sometimes turn to, to, um, to, to try and deal with that stress or that anxiety contain foods like you know with the carbohydrates etc that have the serotonin which can help to calm us a little bit um but it can you know if we overeat those foods or we end up feeling guilty for eating those foods they can obviously then end in this negative spiral um whereas actually if we just took some time to chill out relax de-stress and actually maybe do that consistently in small chunks throughout the week (laughs) rather than anything (laughs) kind of come to a head yeah um would you agree with that yeah yeah definitely it's good to deal with those things on a regular basis rather than wait until it becomes a problem yeah exactly and um i think talking about and i know you um this is something obviously that we covered quite a lot in our training as well jeff and obviously a lot of people will blame will feel like they are addicted to certain foods. Yeah. Um, they, they will feel like they're addicted to carbs or mm-hmm. they will feel like they are addicted to sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sugar is the big, that sugar seems to be the popular one, uh, popular one now to demonize. Yeah. Yeah. And what are your, I mean, one thing I will say here is, <laughs> although I'm going to backtrack on this a little bit after seeing what Leo did the other day, but, um, <laughs> How many times, when people say, oh, I'm, I'm addicted to sugar or I'm addicted to carbs, how often do you see people, and I know we've said this over and over again, you know, how often do you see people kind of stood at the top of the street or, you know, dealing bags of sugar or kind of, yeah. you know, or even, even eating sugar from the bag? You right. know what I mean? Yeah, or doing, you know, doing, un, uh, uh, doing sketchy behaviors in order to get sugar. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, like, and, and that is, that's one of the frustrating things with when, Again, it's when we when we broad brush these things or when we we use this this hyperbolic kind of language and 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 where we say, oh, sugar is more addictive than cocaine and things like that. And they and then they reference some mouse study and they where that that finds that sugar triggers similar uh, reward centers in the brain that cocaine does. And so they make this broad, this broad sweeping equivalency that's just not there and and um you know the the brain it has this reward center and there's reward mechanisms and and when we do things that brings us pleasure then it kind of you know we remember that and so it it drives us to want those things again and and yes cocaine does similar things but and sugar does similar things but they're not even remotely close to being the same kind of thing i mean they're really when it comes to food addiction there's really no scientific evidence that uh, that strongly supports this this idea that you can actually be physically addicted to food. And that's not to say that it's not a very real feeling for somebody yeah. to feel out of control, addicted to food, out of control around sugar, like like we see people who are 
with alcohol or drugs, they feel out of control with that then, and they are addicted, but it's a very different kind of a thing. Uh, in fact, it's kind of interesting. One of the research studies that where they did look at this and this was a, this was a rodent study, but yeah. uh, we, we see this in humans also um, very uh, just behaviorally. And you know, we deal with it all the time is that they found that, that um, the, when they withheld sugar from these, these, uh, these mice, that that is what dr ended up driving them to have addictive behavior in the presence of sugar. When they had uh, regular access to it, they actually didn't have the addictive behavior towards sugar. So it's only when it's severely restricted. And that we see that with kids. We see that with our clients all the time where, where it, it's that restriction. When you really dig down deep and unpack it, it's that restriction, that restrictive mindset that's actually driving this out of control feeling with uh, or with addiction <laughs> you you see kids that uh, you can go to a birthday party and you know what kids don't get sugar at home or whose parents uh, use language that demonizes it they're the ones that are hovering around the sweets table while the other kids are out you know they run by they grab they might grab a, a few bites of cake and then run back and go play with their friends and then you've got the other kid who's hovering around the table eating everything in sight and you can just tell that there's there's a very different approach going on at the, in the home when you see that kind of behavior, um, and it's often that restrictive mindset or that good and bad, healthy unhealthy mindset. Definitely, definitely, and I think this is one of the first things when a client will come to me saying they're feeling addicted or they're craving, they're you know controlled by cravings. The first thing I'll do is you know is allow yourself to have those foods you feel addicted to, please. Yeah, you know, let's go through a period of habituation. Let's, you know, and, and don't be afraid, you know, I'm going to hold your hand through this. I'm going to guide you through this. And this is exactly, and it's really interesting because one of my clients, the one, Laura, who, interestingly, she'd had a gastric bypass, um, gastric band, gas, she'd had a gastric, yeah, you know what I mean. I can't get my yeah. words And she lost the weight, but then she gained, um, you know, a lot of it back. Um, and so she came to me because she realized that, you know, there was psychological stuff going on. Um, and we we got into a place and now actually she's finally in a place where she's able to go and have the um, the surgery afterwards to you know the corrective surgery um following her so she had to go for a period of making sure that she was a certain weight etc to prove she could do it so she, you know real success story but when she came to me she said to me my problem is I feel addicted to food and through the coaching through our coaching because it's not just about it's not just about um allowing yourself to have the food sometimes it's about recognizing where the belief comes from that you yeah. can't have those foods mm -hmm. so sometimes it comes from being on and off diets for this client um it was from the fact that her mother uh, her parents did restrict it so she said you know i was never allowed to eat sweets crisps chocolate in the home and she goes and i remember then when i left home i went mad and i felt addicted to foods ever since now mm -hmm. she loves cake i mean she's an amazing baker and she loves cake but she would she felt that she was addicted to food because of what you know that the experiences that she felt as a child so that knowledge that knowledge understanding where that 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 fit you know kind of where that idea was that she couldn't eat those certain foods came from was powerful in helping her overcome those feelings of addiction yeah and it and it's it is an odd thing because like you pointed out you often when when somebody feels addicted to that we tell them to go to go eat that food and and other various um you know things that we might have them go through exercises with that and 
to to somewhat normalize it. And that's very different than what you do with a drug addict or an alcohol addict. You don't tell a drug addict exactly. to, to start, uh, oh, it's because you're restricting it. That it, It's a very, very different way of dealing okay. with it. So while it still feels very much like an addiction, it's it's very different than what um, what drug addiction is or an addiction to, to something like that, um, of, of that nature. Yeah. And, you know, and I know, and this isn't the time or the place to go into it too much, but, you know, I have used this habituation um, process mm-hmm. with so many clients. And yeah, nine times out of 10, they are skeptical. And I know 10 times out of 10, if they weren't being guided or supported, they wouldn't do it. But always, mm-hmm. always, you know, it, it gets them the results they want. They don't, they don't longer, any longer feel addicted to those, to those foods. And also as well, what I want to um kind of come on to it, you know, and this is kind of where, when I mentioned about how you don't see people dealing bads of sugar or, you know, drinking sugar, um, you know, eating sugar from the bag. Although the reason I said after seeing Leo the other day, we went out for, um, for drink, um, like coffee and cake or whatever the other day. And literally Leo was like, got the sugar and opened the bag. I was like, drinking the yeah. sugar like that. Oh, you know, he's that again. The more I tell him not to do that, the more he's going to do that. But I can't do it anyway. I was yeah. like, this blows it out of the water, doesn't it? But no, he was experiment. He was experimenting. He was- hey, I take a small little spoonful of my uh, my dark brown sugar every morning when I'm making my oatmeal while it's cooking. I take a small spoonful and eat it straight out of the bag yeah. myself too. But the whole I can't. It's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that proves to me that proves that it's not an addiction because I eat that and I can't I couldn't just eat spoonfuls it would just be way too much yeah. and um, and that's and this is where you know at the end of the day when you think about the foods that you crave mm-hmm. or the foods that you feel addicted to they're usually things that contain a you know that I've got carbohydrates fats okay to give them that 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 sweet spot you know to, to, mm-hmm. to give that you know that 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 reward so they are things that yeah they tend to be um yeah foods that contain fat sugar or both and so things like crisps ice creams biscuits chocolate yeah. um you know you're not just craving you're not just craving carbs even bread you know mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a mixture of things you're not just tra- craving carbs you're not just craving sugar okay yeah. it's to do with that combination of those foods and 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 the kind of the rewards that your 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 brain remembers them them bringing you. Yeah, well, and it's important to acknowledge too that that really any food brings us reward. Even yeah. broccoli brings us certain rewards. And so yeah. some people do experience what feels like an addiction to food in general. And really, what it comes down to is that that they're they're using that as the only mechanism of of firing those reward centers in the brain. When, and rather than looking for other ways in their life that they can experience those rewarding feelings. And so that's often, again, what we kind of help people really understand is that let's take some time to find out other things that can bring us reward or other things that that will help um, manage the feelings that we're going through. So often sleep is a big one or finding a hobby or other uh, de- uh, other ways of uh, getting removing stress or minimizing stress or reducing stress in our life, and those can often be uh, beneficial ways to help us deal with, in a roundabout way, deal with the the this feeling of a, being addicted to food. Yeah, and it's not a case of thinking right out of sight, out of mind. You right. know, taking trying to just eliminate the food from, out of your environment is just like trying to stick a, a plaster over a broken bone. 
mm -hmm. know, it's it's just trying to, it's just a, you know, it's a reactory, it's a reactive response to something that's something much, much bigger that is going on. Um, you know, th think about it. How many times do you praise yourself for going to the supermarket for not buying certain foods? In fact, I think I've written about this on my, I think I wrote about this recently on my blog. I don't think I've shared it on my website. But, you know, it's, you know, you feel that you, you know, you, you think, oh, I'm great. You know, I didn't, I, I'm really, really good. When I went shopping, I only bought all healthy food. Then yeah. you sit there at 9 p.m. at night and all you can think about is the food you didn't buy. So you end up finding yourself in the garage or, yeah. or the local shop buying those foods. Because but whereas if they were in your cupboard, if they were in your house, you might find that actually, you know, they've, they've not got such that power over you because you're not trying to restrict them. You're trying to you're, you're normalizing them. And this is exactly. the thing. this is where, what we need to do. We need to. It all comes down to, and this is another big piece of work I know we all do with our clients, Jeff. It's not just about normalizing those foods that you feel addicted to. It's also about neutralizing food in general. So mm -hmm. not demonizing any food, just seeing food as food. I've shared this um, before with my son, Lee, when I've said, spoken about Leo, when he sat there a few weeks ago and he said, Mommy, you know, some people at school call food junk food. They call crisps chocolate junk food. And she said, he said, but Mom, all food's good food. All food is okay. All, all food is good food because he knows the approach. that I And I love, I love the fact that although he's experiencing that when he goes out at school, the messaging that we've got at home is so strong that he can question that and be curious about that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I have to admit, though, I think with Luca, because I, I I was clueless, you know, first few years of Luca, you know, I was I was that person that knew everything about nutrition. You know, I knew the calories <laughs> that were everything in everything. I knew what was good, what was bad, what I should be focusing on. You know, I was that I was that person that. I'll never need any support with my nutrition because I know what I'm doing. I, I, you know, I know all the science, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then obviously, of course, I developed and I grew and I understood more of the psychology of eating and about food environment and, you know, about everything else and about how it's such a bigger picture. Um, and, and I guess my point here is saying that I noticed with Luca, Luca doesn't question things as much because I didn't start as young with him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, the first five, six years of being, you know, of Luca, he probably was, you know, I was that mum that was, you know, you can't eat that. Yes, you can eat that. And you can only have that in moderation. And then I learned. And I'm yeah. very good with Leo. And Leo definitely does question things more. They both love to wind me up. Like we were yeah. going around the, the other day and they were talking about, he was asking about food in the canteen. And he was like, they were talking about food. And we're like, oh, don't get my mum on this topic. And actually, that does bring me on to <laughs> That does bring me on to, um, and I love it though, my kids love food, like the food, everyone's like looking around and everyone's like, what, what, what areas do everyone want to see? And Luke's like, I want to see maths and the canteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but there was one thing, and I did want to share this actually, I was talking about it earlier, that the head teacher told us as we were going around and they were saying, you know, we used to have a chip, a chip day, like a, a you know, a, a chip day was a day in the, in the canteen where, you know, it was. I don't know exactly what it consisted of. He said, but we're not allowed to have that anymore. We've been told we're not allowed to have chip day anymore. And um, and we were and I, and I was just was kind of like, well, all you're doing there is saying that you've kind of given this, said, you know, chips are okay, we can have a chip day. And now you're saying that we can't have a chip day because it's, what is it? So you're saying then that chips are wrong, that chips are unhealthy. What message is that giving? You know, rather than just maybe pulling the chip day and replacing it, it's like, no, we're not allowed a chip day because it's unhealthy. You know, yeah, that's a little bit of a gripe with that. Anyway, I go off on to But what I guess it does bring me on to as well, this whole thing of, 
you know, we are teaching our children to see foods as good or bad mm-hmm. rather than seeing food as neutral and then being able to make decisions based on what their body is telling them rather than what a rule book is telling them. We teach, our, you know, so many of us are guilty and I am guilty, definitely. We're so guilty of overpowering our children, of not letting them listen to. I talked about this this morning, even in my post went about Luca. You know, I, I really tried to take a step back and let Luca you know, write his own speech, do his, do his, doing everything himself so that he could really harness his own creativity and his own mind. Mm-hmm. He could inject that into it rather than me saying, this is how you should do it, Luca. This is what you should say. This is, this is how your badges should look. This is how your poster should look. And it's the same with food. If we try and tell them you shouldn't eat this, you know, children will grow up. You know, children will grow up to understand what makes them feel good, what doesn't make them feel good, what is, you know, give them experience. Don't tell them that things are good or bad. Yeah, you want to you want to equip them to to be able to put together a a way of eating that's going to be suitable for them in their lifestyle, their economic status that aligns with their their social life and, um, you know, and those kinds of interactions and all of those different things. And if you just tell them constantly what to what to eat, not what to eat and and to only eat X amount of this and X amount of that, that may not suit them later on down the line. And so you want to help them to to be able to kind of build their own diet. And you need to model this. Even worse is when yeah, a parent is saying, exactly. do this, do that, and then they're not doing it themselves. But anyway, mm-hmm. I do go off, I do digress. I did want to talk a little bit about, um, and, and but we spoke about this last time, I think, about how a lot of times people will say, well, I've got this craving for chocolate, so I'm going to eat a muller light. <laughs> oh, yeah. <I've> got, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I've got this craving for, you know, for crisps but I'm going to eat a rice cake. I used to do that. I mean, that was, that was when you know, my, my entry into fitness was, was around, was a whole bodybuilding mentality of, you know, chicken and rice and broccoli and, and prepping your meals. And, and if you were having this craving for this or that, you'd replace it with something uh, lighter or lower calorie or, you know, swapping out this for that, <coughs> excuse me, swapping out this for that. And, um, yeah, it, it's been so much easier since I switched to the mindset of if I'm craving something, at least, you know, I, I will, I'll pause sometimes and say, am I really craving that? Or did that just pop into my head? And, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, actually. And it's, and one of the things that I do, and I, I was talking to one of my clients about this was I'll actually play it through in my mind, that flavor and, and actually just take, you know, 30 seconds or so and imagine that particular food and the flavors that it's going to bring to my mouth, the sensations, how I'm going to feel later. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, no, you, I'm really not actually in the mood for that. Now that I think about it, um, that's a little richer, a little sweeter than what I'm thinking of. And then I'll come up with some other idea. When I do that, I don't really feel like I've, I've tried to trick myself into eating something different. I've just sort of explored it and found out, well, is that, was that really going to satisfy me? Like I think it was. And that's the thing. If the alternative is going to, if the lower calorie brownies or the lower calorie, you know, I don't know, the the rice cake, you know, if it's going to taste as good as what you're really craving, then maybe it will satisfy you. But I shared last week about how one of my clients, he said that when he stopped making the healthy version of banana bread, Mm -hmm. he found that he ate less of it. And he was was much, much more satisfied with less. Because the other thing is, is, if you're going to try and 
eat a healthier alternative and it doesn't satisfy you, you're going to end up still trying to search for something that's going to satisfy you. Right. So you're going to overeat whatever it is that you're eating, trying to search for that satisfaction that you're not going to get. Or you're going to, it's, the craving's going to come back and you're going to want something else later on. It's like with yeah. you go for a meal. If you go for a meal, and I, I used to find this, you know, um, you know, in my 20s, early 30s, so probably as well, how um, if I went for a meal and I'd always choose the lighter option, and then I'd come home and I'd want chocolate or I'd want I'd want something else because I'd cheated myself when I went for something to eat. I didn't choose what I wanted. You know, yet you will get people out there that say, oh, always go for the better option, always go for the salad, always go for this. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing to do, because sometimes you do want to go for, you know, a lighter option. But be driven. Do it from the right place. Do it with yeah. the right intention. You know, and I yeah. love I've been working with a client recently and she we had this conversation yesterday and she spoke about how at the weekend, um, you know, she's made certain choices to to not do certain things, but she's doing it from a place of not wanting to feel hungover on Sunday when she's got to take her kids to the park or not right. wanting to do, you know, she's not doing it from the, I need to lose weight. I need to manage my weight. I need to restrict my calories. She's doing it from a completely different place, which means she's going to be more successful. And it's a healthier. Yeah. It's a much, much healthier approach. Because when I say to clients, this isn't, I think sometimes people think, oh, well, you know, Rebecca's just going to tell me I can eat whatever I want when I want and I'm just going to lose control. And I can't, can't do that. I just can't say how it would work. It's not, it's not about that. It's about getting you to eat in a way that you probably have always wanted to eat, but you've not been able to do it because you've been doing it from the wrong place, from an unhealthy yeah. place. It and is. Just, it's a, a lot of it's that mentality of of how you're getting to the to the place. So you may be in a in a place. Let's say your weight has drastically spiked late, like over the last year, and it's gone up a, a very significant amount. And the natural response is, okay, well, I need to eat less, or I need to move more, or I need to do that. I need to go on a diet. I need to restrict myself rather than saying, well, what was it that caused that weight spike? What are the changes? And can I return back to what I was doing prior to that? Um, is that a healthier place to be? And so you're going about it a different way. It's it's like, yes, you're, you might be end up eating less, but you're not doing it because I need to eat less. You're doing it because, oh, you know what? These habits that I've developed lately have resulted in me eating more than my body needs and so taking that other approach it's very has a completely different impact uh mentally and it's it's and you you may not be able to you may be thinking i don't see what the what's the difference but it really does it's such a different um end result when you go about it when you take this path to get there versus this path well i had a client who said to me recently i just want to make the right choices the healthier choices without feeling stressed, without mm -hmm. feeling pressured. And that's exactly what it's about, you know, and, and the healthier choice is not always the lower calorie choice. No. You know? it, health is so much more than that. Health is, you know, and, and yeah, and, and it's amazing when it is a mindset change, it is a mindset shift. And it's about, and I was thinking about this the other day, and, you know, it's about focusing on the process because ultimately the end result might be the same as if you had, you know, your end result might still be to fit into a certain dress, to, to look a certain way, to, to feel a certain way. But the process is very different and it's much more enjoyable. It's much more fun. And it means yeah. that when you get there, you're going to be able to sustain it and, main, you know, maintain it better. If you're going through if you're going through hell to get to where you want to be, that's why you can't stay there. That's why you can't. You know, it just shouldn't be the case. You should be focusing on an enjoyable process 
And this is exactly, you know, I loved it yesterday when I spoke to this client and she's like, you know, I've got so much more energy. I'm feeling really good. And we're not focusing on the scale weight, but that is happening. She's like, oh, and these, you know, my dresses are feeling so much better. But we're not focusing on that. We're focusing on her mindset around it all. We're focusing on why she's behaving the way she has. And she said this to me. She said she was speaking to her PT and she said um, about how differently she felt about it. She goes, counting calories is easy. Following a food Mm -hmm. plan is easy. She said, whereas what I'm doing now, because it's it's harder because I'm having to think about relearning things, but it's making eating easier. She says, I feel like I'm not thinking about it anymore. I feel like it's coming more naturally. I'm not obsessing. So ultimately, it is easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, should you make the healthier choice? Again, nuanced. It's not just yes, no, you shouldn't. Um, but it's thinking outside of, you know, it's thinking outside of the black and white approach. So I yeah. do just because I realize that we, you know, time is is kind of running away with us. So I did just want to share maybe um, some some strategies. And although we've already touched on some of this, yeah. to talk about some some ways that you can maybe manage those cravings or you know feelings of being addicted to food now my number one and I know you'd say the same here Jeff is to stop demonizing foods is to neutralize foods and is to allow those foods just take away restriction don't take away responsibility don't take away respect for your body for yourself but take away restriction take away the rules stop calling foods good or bad stop calling foods junk stop calling food your kryptonite you're giving it power you know, when yeah. you're eating certain food, you know, your your downfall, your kryptonite, it's never gonna change. You're yeah, stuck in that pattern. Yeah, one of the one of the things for me personally that was for years I told myself I couldn't have a box of snack cakes or a package of cookies in the house because I'd eat them all in one sitting. Because I would. I would if I got them, I would eat you know, six or eight of these things that uh like snack cakes, or I would eat a whole package of Oreos in a 15 or 20 minutes sitting. Um, and, you know, for some people that would actually be a full on what we would con- consider a binge. For me, it was just, you know, I ate it and then I moved on. I didn't feel bad about it. It was just, I felt bad physically later, but, um, but, but yeah, so, but I, I, for years I told myself that over and over. And once I quit telling myself that and then did a, a few other things, now it, it's not an issue. I can eat a couple of cookies and come back the next day and have a, a couple of more. And uh, I can have a whole thing of ice cream and, and let it go o- over the course of the week. But, you know, it's some, sometimes it's a matter of, of these, these attitudes and things that we, we fill our heads with. And, and, uh, and often it's just a matter of stop telling yourself that you can't do this or stop telling yourself that this is you know, um, just who you are and how you are and that, yeah. th- and that you can't change that. The self-narrative. Yeah. Just remember that we live in a, you know, what what how we see the world is not mm-hmm. how someone else sees the world. How I view this conversation that we've had just now, Jeff, is not how you'll view, you know, it's not what you'll yeah. remember. You'll remember different bits. We'll all, you know, and and yeah, so it's that self-narrative is so important. What's going on in our heads, you know, is is you know, is so much more important than, you know, than how we're doing things often and interestingly or what what we're doing sorry um you know how we're eating how we're approaching our nutrition is much more important than than what i think Mm -hmm. and just and i I want to talk just uh, about a couple more things but i think um david did mention about in the u.s some parents let their children have occasions where they can eat whatever candy they want in one go i do that sometimes with my kids 
birth, you know, not not even just birthdays. Sometimes we'll watch a film and it's like, go on, kids, have as many sweets as you want. Do what you want, you know? Um, and it's okay to do that. It's okay to, you know, normally my kids, um, there is a structure and they've, they've got, they can eat sweets and, and, and you know, processed foods, um, biscuits, etc. And the other thing is actually talking about anyway let me finish what I'm saying and then I'll go on to that but you know they can but they've got a structure and they've got, they've got to eat it you know within that that structure or that framework but occasionally they will have days and I spoke about this before where they can have Halloween you know I'm not going to tell my kids they can only eat sweets at four o'clock six o'clock now you know they can eat sweets all day long if they want but it will just be that one day it will just be that one day you know it will just be that one day where they can fill their boots they can eat what they want and then the next day they'll still be available but they have to be within the normal structure that we've got in our house. Yeah, that's you know? a good point, David. You said, and they learn their boundaries on what feels good. Yes. Um, and, and in fact, you know, it's really interesting that you mentioned that is that that is one of one of the key things that the approach that I use when working with kids and and families that um, that parents do and, and or that's recommended is actually having on a regular occasion. So not just once a year, but actually on a regular occasion putting out an entire plate of cookies at snack time where you intentionally put more than you know they could possibly want and you allow them to have as much as they want or the same with candy. And it's, it's part of that process of equipping them and training them and, and uh, helping them learn to eat. And, and it also takes that, that, um, that healthy, unhealthy aspect away from it. They know, oh, mom lets me eat as many cookies as I want sometimes. And because she's not afraid that I'm not going to, that I'm going to be out of control. And so it's a whole psychological thing there where, uh, and initially you do that the first time with your kids, they may eat themselves sick, but over time, yeah, but over time they get to where they might eat a couple or they might, they might, they might not even want cookies that time. You might put out the cookies and fruit and they might eat the fruit and leave the cookies on there. And, and this happens all the time with uh with parents that kind of go through this this whole framework that's very similar to what Rebecca and I are talking about it's like when you if you restrict yourself all week you know restrict yourself all week so you can you know eat what you want at the weekend and then you probably exactly. eat way more than you want yes. you know backfires. balance during the week it's like me last week I went for pizza and I probably only ate half my pizza for some reason I was just probably the bottle of champagne I drank before I went out but you know I only ate half the pizza because I could I could have pizza the next day in fact I had it for breakfast the next day I could have pizza whenever I want so I, I stopped when I was full you know and but a lot of people will will not do that because they've been so good all week now they've got this yeah. pizza they can yeah and actually I just wanted to go on just a tiny tiny thing without going off on a tangent and um, the other thing is is I was talking to a client recently who said oh um, new client I have to add um yeah I do really really well I've had no processed food this week and I was like well you sent me a picture of of your dinner and you have that rice rice is processed and they're like oops and I'm like you know what I mean it's like stop thinking that it's not, yeah, it's, it, this is this whole black white healthy unhealthy health is a spectrum yeah and I'm going to talk about this actually I'm going to do some posts on this so let's not I'm not going to go into that now but anyway it's not yeah we're talking about it throughout it's not black or white it's not this way or that way um and the other thing as well, so there was the restriction, you know, get, mm -hmm. get away from the restriction, work with somebody to help you through that. It's not easy. It takes time. It means digging deep to understand why you're using the language you're using. Okay. Yep. Work with somebody or come and do my workshop. 
I'm doing a workshop that's going to go into this a little bit on the 2nd of September. Anyway, um, also as well, don't let yourself go hungry. Eat regularly. Like we spoke before, if you're letting yourself go too hungry, if you're letting your biological hunger kick in, you are opening yourself wide to those cravings feeling overwhelming. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And that's that's usually where I start with people really is yeah. is trying to come up with ways of managing their hunger. Because when you when you when you're not going through the day overly hungry at different points, and when you're recognizing when you're actually hungry, and when it's just something that's emotional, and when you're able to make the distinction between being hungry and thirsty, and you know all those different kinds of things, when you start tuning in and recognizing those things, it really helps to manage these things throughout the day, and it it's actually a very empowering thing uh, I find too. It's when when you have your hunger under control. You aren't worried that you're going to be hungry. You get to a meal and you just sit down and you can wait for the other people to sit down with their meal. You can eat it. You can stop when you're done. You can take some home like you did with your pizza. You didn't feel like you had to eat it all because you bought it. Um, I throw pizza out sometimes. I mean, that might be horrible for people to hear, but we'll sit there and my wife and I'll get a pizza. And sometimes I eat the eat a very I eat all of it and it's gone. Other times I eat and I'm like, I'm, I'm full. I, I can have pizza anytime I want. And so I'll throw three or four pieces out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and exactly that. It's about um, being able to, and that, that was the other thing that this, this, my, my client said to me yesterday is that, you know, I just, I feel like I'm in tune with my body and I, I know when it's hungry, I'm eating when it's hungry and I'm not letting anybody else dictate or guide that. I'm letting my body guide that. Right. And um, yeah, she loved one of the um, comments I put on my story yesterday about don't let anybody erode your trust. Don't let don't let big diet, the diet industry or any diet gurus erode the trust in your body, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that's what happens, isn't it? The other thing is, is another thing to think about is if you are if you do feel like you've got intense cravings um, and are, are addicted to food, then start a journal. You know, I often do this with clients as yeah. well. Start, start a food and a mood journal, as I as I call it, to try and dig down and see what the real, real problem is. Um, and of course, as well, um, and they just, you know, I'll go through a lot more of this in my workshop. The other thing is, you know, and it's to it's to make sure that when you're having your when you know when you're eating the most of the time, you're focusing on whole foods you're focusing on you know I call them you call them you know you're focusing on whole grains you're focusing on um you know fresh food during your meal times because they will all that will kind of help to keep you satisfied it's going to help to nourish your body it's because when 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 we're feeling depleted as well when our body is craving calories that's when then the memories hit in and we want the foods that, you know, the comfort foods, et cetera. But whereas if you're making sure that during the day you're focusing on, you know, you know, plenty of good protein, you know, some healthy fats, some smart carbs. If you're focusing on those in your meal, uh, uh, during your structured meal times, you're leaving yourself less open. I mean, I remember once trying, and I'm not saying this is, you know, for some people, intermittent fasting, windowed eating can be useful. I tried it as a way to, you know, lose weight or manage weight years and years and years ago. My God, I've never had craving so bad. You know, because I'm literally <laughs> starving myself all morning. And, you know, even now, if I find that I don't eat, if I skip a meal because I'm busy, yeah, you know, 
I'm, I, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm going to end up craving something. It's just, it, it happens. And I've been honest and open and talked about that before on, on my social media about, um, you know, because it does happen sometimes. Yeah. And when yeah. those cravings get really strong, they kind of start to just consume your thoughts. And and that's a good way to know if you're if you have something that you need to change in this area is if you're always if you're eating lunch and as soon as you're done with lunch, you're thinking about dinner and and people joke about it like and, and they think it's normal. It's you see normal. this in a lot of these fitness groups that people are constantly thinking about food like and they, they literally they acknowledge that they think about food 24 hours a day. And all that says to me is that's such a huge red flag that you are not eating enough and you're depriving yourself yeah. and because you should not be thinking about food all the time. That's not, no. that's mad. not normal. It's bad that people just think that's okay. But that's, that's a lot of the reason why some of my clients come to me because mm -hmm. they want to stop thinking about food all the time. They want yeah. to not feel so, yeah, to take up all that headspace. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, people go, well, I haven't got time. I haven't got time to, to commit to coaching. I haven't got time to commit to, well, actually, how much time are you wasting? Yeah. I didn't, you know, I lost, I missed out on so much of life thinking far too much about food for far too many years. Yeah. Now, I do want to qualify some of the stuff that we've said that, it, and I say this because I have, um, you know, I have a child with this, but obsessive compulsive disorder, if okay, you have yeah. something like that or ADHD, um, so other, some other kind of neuro, uh, a neurodivergent condition, you want to, some of the things that we're talking about here, the constant thinking about food, that, that may be a part of what you deal with. And so we're not saying that that's not normal and you need to fix it. You know, do what you're doing with your, your normal mental health um, uh, process of, of therapy and treatment. But for the, for people who are neurotypical and, and are not don't have some underlying thing that impacts their thought processes. That's not normal to be thinking about food all the day, uh, you know, all the time, or to be uh, to have those feelings of deprivation and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point as well to point out there because it's definitely something as well. And you know, my my yeah, without going too much into it, but definitely like my youngest son is something um, I've struggled with with him as well, and it kind of comes and goes. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. So anyway, um, talking about, um, I say it comes and goes, that's the wrong, and now I don't want to go into that topic now because I'm going to end up <laughs> going down a complete rabbit hole. But I guess the point is, is that, you know, if anybody is struggling with that um, or any of that resonates, you can reach out to either of us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I don't want to start because I will go down another rabbit hole because I, I want to end on this, on, on just saying that, you know, don't overlook how important it is to look after yourself mentally yeah. and physically every single day. And I spoke about this at the beginning, you know, just taking that regular time. You know, I talk to clients about taking 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, you know, of, of just time for yourself, whatever that looks like, even if it's just sitting in a room with your thoughts, because we are more likely to feel addicted to foods, to crave foods. If we're stressed, angry, unhappy, or, you, you know, so just please, please, please do not underestimate how important it is to look after your basic needs. Yeah. And ultimately, that's if, if that's what you're doing, if that's your focus, then your eating often falls in alignment with that when when you're starting to focus on those things, when you're thinking, when you're choosing a salad over a pasta dish and you're 
and you're doing it not because the salad you think is healthier or lower calorie, but because you know, you know what, I really haven't been getting enough fiber in my diet lately. I'm having trouble going to the bathroom. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to eat some more salads this week. I'm going to make sure I eat some more vegetables because I want to take care of my body versus I'm going to take care of my body by restricting myself from pasta because it's not healthy. And I'm not going to eat sugar because it's bad for you. And I'm going to take care of my body that way. That That's a whole different, uh, mentally, that's just going to mess you up. So if you're, but again, it's, it's that, that it comes down to that intent. It does. And it comes down to just that, that shift, that mindset shift, Wait, two things, that mindset shift, which completely changes the intent, definitely. Mm-hmm. And that realignment of, you know, kind of listening to what your body is saying rather than what everybody on the internet is telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, I know we could go on and on about this and we've only, you know, just touched the surface, scratched the surface. But honestly, I will be going into some of this um, in my workshop and I've, the, the workshop that I'm delivering on the 2nd of September. Um, I've still got some. You mean November? November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing I'm going to be doing a live workshop on the 2nd of November. Um, I've called it, you know, um, your, the five steps to feeling 10 years younger. When you think about it, when you're doing a lot of the things that we've been talking about today, they are making you feel older than your years. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be sharing strategies that are going to help you to, to to manage those those feelings that you may be having around food, those cravings, etc. Um, and I have still got some places left half price. So the, the workshop, if you get it at half price, is just forty five pounds. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it's going to be really really practical. It's going to be live. Um, you know, so I'll get you doing. You know really digging deep and thinking deep it's not going to be pre-recorded or anything like that it's going to be live um so yeah if anybody is interested in you know how some of these things can work for them then please do join i'll stick the link in the comments if i remember (laughs) but yeah thank you ever so much um jeff again for a great conversation Mm -hmm. anybody who's watching please um it'd be great i know some of you have commented but if you've got if you're watching the replay i forgot to mention if you are watching the replay please also do do comment hashtag replay if you've got any questions at all just post them um and yeah please do just keep interacting as much as possible if you found this conversation useful we will be putting it on the podcast i am i am putting out the podcast um i'm sending it out in my email list i do share it in posts as well but i know sometimes the posts can get lost but we do upload these um most of these lives to the podcast so if you want to be added to the email list please just send me your email um in a private message and i'll add you to that to make sure that you do get the recordings of these mm-hmm. and yeah um i think that was just about it oh no that, that was it if, if you found this conversation useful please do share it with your network please do share as much as possible so that we can try and reach more more people and um, so they can feel happier and healthier and have a much much more um you know uh stable relationship with food have you got anything to add there jeff or no i think that was a great way to wrap it up all right thank you very much thank you and thank you, Beata. Thank, you. thank you for watching um and yeah catch you again next time bye